forever. Amen. At this time, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. This is the word of God. Well, good morning, church family. Am I on? Mic on? We good? You can hear me. You can hear me in the live stream. Awesome. Good to go. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate that, brother. Good? Hey, that'll work. <laughs> we got some set people. Sounds good. Well, hey, I'm uh, really excited to be with, to, to, to speak this morning and to talk about this passage of Scripture. One thing I've, as I've been thinking about uh, this particular passage and thinking about you, one thing that has kind of been a common theme over the last few weeks has been the reality that we need wisdom. Amen? We need to walk in, we need to, we need to both have wisdom for ourselves and we need to walk in wisdom. And we are facing, both individually and as a congregation, some things that some of us just don't know what to do anything about. That's just over our head. That is more than we can manage. And when we get over our head, when we need wisdom, there's a person and a place we can go. The person we go to is God. And the place we go to is to his word. When I was in a biblical counseling class about a year ago, uh, they made us, they, they asked us to, made us, which was really a helpful uh, task, to memorize some passages of scripture. And one of the passages they asked us to memorize, in fact, the first passage they asked us to memorize was this passage out of Psalm 19, 7 through 11. What they were saying was, if you want to know how to counsel people in ways that are going to be helpful, in ways that are going to help them live and help them flourish, here's what you need to know, is that the word of God is righteous. It is true. It is pure. It enlightens the eyes. It brings us joy. All the things we're going to talk about today. And so my prayer is that we would get a big vision of the beauty of God's word today and desire to meditate on it day and night. So would you bow your heads with me and let's just pray. Ask God to help us to hear his word today. Our Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word to us. I pray that you would speak to your people, the ones that are gathered here in this sanctuary and those that are joining via live stream because of sickness or because of cold. And we pray that you would bless and unite your people to fear your name. So bless the, the time we have today. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The snow was speaking this week. Did you hear it? It was saying a lot of things. The snow was saying, it's cold outside, right? 
In fact, the sanctuary is saying the same thing, speaking the same language as his son. But the snow was also saying, it was saying, hey, I know that December and January might have made you think it wasn't winter, but it really is winter right now, right? The snow was also saying some other things. It was saying, for those of us who go a lot, it was saying, slow down. It was saying, if you think you can speed up and then just put on the brakes, you're going to start sliding. You're going to slip, right? You might crash. It was saying to all of us, you're not really in control of your life. You're not really in control of your schedule. You think you know, but you have no idea. To quote MTV. The snow was a beautiful and treacherous reminder that we don't always have everything figured out, but that God knows exactly what we need. I know every student in Oklahoma City was saying, he knows exactly what I need. (laughs) And most educators. But this week, as I was thinking about the snow, it actually reminded me of a passage of scripture that came to my mind over and over again, which was Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, which says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bear forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The snow comes down from the heavens and before it goes back to the heavens, it does some stuff. It works in harmony with mankind. It is God's way of sustaining the most precious part of his creation. It waters the earth. It makes seeds sprout. Those seeds grow into plants that produce fruit. Those fruit produce more seeds. Farmers take those seeds. They sow them in plowed and fertilized soil. And those seeds grow into more plants like wheat and banana trees and okra. And farmers take those seeds and use their God-given creativity to make food that we consume and enjoy. And God says, that's what snow does. It's one of the multiplicity of ways that I care for you and I sustain you and I cause you to flourish. And he goes on to say, that's what my word is like. I speak. I create language so that you can hear me. You can know me. You can ponder me, you can consider me, you can meditate on me so you can understand how and why I made you, so you can know my love for you. I give you my word and as it comes from me, it is the perfect revelation of who I am. When I speak, my word always accomplishes my good and my righteous purposes. It doesn't come back empty. The snow teaches us that God is a loving God who has good purposes to bring about our good for his glory and who has given us his good word, which always does the good work he intends for it to do. So I'm confident this morning. I'm confident that God will speak to us this morning. Are you confident God will speak to you this morning? Are you expecting God to speak to you this morning? Because God says his word never returns void. It always accomplishes his purpose. 
So let's talk about, talk about our text. The first thing I want to notice in this text is the word that is repeated six times. It is the word Lord. Everybody say Lord. Lord. Now in your bulletin, you can see this. It's not on the screen, but in your bulletin, it is in small caps. And the case reflects this reality that, that whenever we see this word Lord in, in small caps like this in the Old Testament, we should think about what it means. When we see the Lord spelled in small caps, we're talking about the covenant name of God, the name Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, Pastor John Mark talked about this last week, right? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I do want to make sure that we pause whenever we see this word. In fact, scribes in the Old Testament, whenever they would copy down and, and, and read the, 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 the word of God, they would take their finger and they would pass along the text. And when they'd come to the, the word Yahweh written in Hebrew script, they would pick up their hand and move to the other side because they don't want to touch the profound, holy covenant name of God. So you want to pause whenever we come to this word to think about what are we learning about this word? When God called Moses, the prophet of God, to go to his people who were slaves in the most powerful nation on earth and to tell them he was going to rescue them, Moses asked, when they asked me, what is his name? Who sent me? What shall I tell them? And God says, tell them, I am who I am. I am who I am. God's name is his self-revelation. He is saying, I am the God who has always existed. I am the one on whom all existence depends. There is no life outside of me. This is no tribal God. This is the God who spoke the universe into existence. And this is the God who made a covenant with his people and promised them his blessing, his protection, and his presence. So when we see this name, we should always think steadfast love. Everybody say steadfast love and faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. It means God is true. He is sure. That's who we're talking about in this text is the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant God of Israel, in whom, who's our God. Because we are adopted into the family of Abraham through Christ. It's our God. But what we're talking about is his word. Everybody say the Lord's word. Now this is really important. We need to get this. That God's word is the revelation of who God is. His name is who he is, but his word is the perfect reflection of who he is. He does not speak outside of who he is. Sometimes we can say things that don't reflect to what we really think or who we really are, but God isn't that way. God always says something that says something about his nature. He doesn't speak outside of that. Now, we can learn a lot about God from creation. We call that general revelation. We talked about that a little bit ago with the snow. We can see that, 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 that that's what the rest of Psalm 19 talks about. The first six verses talk about this. As the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. We can see who God is in creation, but it's a little bit blurry. We can see his power. We can see his might. We can see his wisdom. We can see his beauty. We can know him as creator. But the word of God is his special revelation. It's a clearer revelation of who God is. In his word, we find out that God is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. We find out 
He's a God of justice who will by no means clear the guilty. This is God. And the psalmist knows that. He knows this God as the covenant God of Israel. But we go beyond even the psalmist because we don't just have the promises of who God is. Because the psalmist was pointing forward to a reality that we already know that the epitome of God's self-revelation is his incarnate word. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he was raised again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father. He will come back to judge the living and the dead. Jesus Christ, who offers salvation to all who turn from their sins and trust him as Savior and Lord. This is who God is. This is the grace of God, the mercy of God, Jesus Christ. The word of God reveals who God is. I'm looking out. And if if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is where life and joy come from. This is the source of all life and joy. You can turn from your sin today and trust in him. And in this passage, we have some characteristics of God's word, which is also characteristics of of God. In verse 7, we see that God's word, like him, is perfect. It is complete and harmonious, and it rightly reflects the nature of God. Later on in verse 7, we see God's word, like him, is sure. It is trustworthy and reliable. It will hold you up when you're quaking. This week I was meditating on Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3. And it was talking about how God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. It was talking about how, how even though the, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, how we don't have to fear that the mountains quake. And I was thinking, do I quake when the waves get crazy? It's like, yeah, I quake. I don't have to fear. Why? Because God is sure. He is our refuge and our strength. And what do we learn about that? In his word, we see testimony of how he's been trustworthy over millennia. And he's not going to let you down. God's word, like him, verse 8, is right. It shows us the way to righteousness. In other words, it is just. It doesn't lead us wrongly. So many times when I don't know what to do, I read the word of God and it shows me the right direction to follow. You ever had that happen? You don't know what to do. You say, but our eyes are on you and you you jump in the Bible. Sometimes you just like open it up and it happens to fall exactly where you need to be. More often than not, I'm just reading in a normal systematic way and God begins to show me more of his character. And if it doesn't tell me what to do exactly, it does show me what attitude or what posture to have as I face the situation, which gives me wisdom to walk forward with certainty in his provision. God's word is right. God's word, like him, is pure. The Old Testament scholar Willem van Gimmeren translates this word as radiant. It reveals what is truly glorious and truly beautiful about life. It doesn't let us get 
satisfied with something less than who God is. It is pure. God's word like him is clean, has no flaws or defects. God's word like him is true. The word here in verse 9 is actually the word truth. It is, it is truth itself. It is firm and steadfast. It reveals what is really true in the universe. When there's so many things that are telling us what is true, especially in 2021 and 2022, what is true? God's word is true. It'll tell us what's really true and it'll give us a plumb line from which to evaluate every other truth that we think is true. This is God's word and it reveals who he is. So in our passage, we have six synonyms for God's self-revelation. It is the law of the Lord, verse 7, the testimony of the Lord, verse 7, the precepts of the Lord, verse 8, the commandment of the Lord, verse 8, the fear of the Lord, verse 9, which is really the reverence and awe that God's nature effects, and the rules of the Lord, verse 9. And when the psalmist uses these synonyms to talk about God's, God's word, what he's saying is all of God's word is beneficial. All of God's word is good. All of God's word is right and helpful, we can rely on all of it. So I'm not going to spend time going through what is law, what is testimony, what is precepts, what is commandment, what is rules. I think what he's talking about is all of it. The comprehensive nature of God's word is what we're talking about here. And that is what is beneficial. And so the psalmist tells us ways that God's word is beneficial. Verse 7, he says, it revives the soul. Revives the soul. The inner person makes it come alive. You ever been down and depressed? Only see darkness and then you read Psalm 23 and it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And it revives your soul. You ever been anxious and struggle with worry? And you read in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is, has a good and humble heart, and if I yoke to him, I'll find rest for my soul. God's word is like water to us. It revives us. Not only does it revive us, but it makes wise the simple. It gives us wisdom. The word simple here really means more like naive. When you don't know where to go, go to God's word. And I tell you, Sometimes God will put things in your life to make you realize that you really are somewhat naive. But you know what? God is not naive about anything. God knows even the complexities of the complex things you think you know. And he makes us wise. We have books like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job, wisdom literature that teaches us what does it look like to walk as the wise? What does it look like to become wise? God's word gives us wisdom. Not only does it give us wisdom, but it rejoices the heart. The deepest part of who we are, that part of us, which is really who we are, that's where we find real joy. The world will tell you, you can find joy for your heart in a plethora of experiences and material goods but none of them will satisfy. If you look for power, power will dominate you. If you look for wealth, wealth will dominate you. 
But what the Word of God tells us is if you want to find real joy, it's only found in God himself. This is where we find real joy for our hearts. The Word of God enlightens our eyes. It enlightens us. You know somebody who has spent time in the Word of God because their eyes light up at reality. We learn how to just to enjoy God's good gifts of creation. A person who meditates on, on God's word learns that the Sabbath is not just a time to close off real work. It's a time to feast and enjoy God's good gifts. We find light for our eyes in God's good word. God's word endures forever. It's one of the only things that will last forever. We can put stock in a lot of things. But even our 401k will grow old. Let's give it about 40 years, 20 for some of us. But God's word never grows old. Every generation, every generation finds light and finds wisdom here. It is what endures forever. And it shows us the true nature of righteousness. It is righteous altogether. We cannot know righteousness apart from God's word. This is the good word we've been given. And the psalmist goes on to say, it is incredibly valuable. Look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Now what the psalmist here is doing is doing a little play on words. He's saying it's like gold. In fact, it's, it's better than gold. But not just gold. It, he even uses a different Hebrew word to say fine gold. It's gold you can't even find if you, if you look hard enough. That's what the word of God is like. It's like honey, but it's not just like honey. It's like that icing you find on them sopapillas up, up on the north side of Oklahoma City. This is like dripping straight from the honeycomb. This is the sweet stuff of life. And you know what? We have it in our pockets, fam. In our pockets. It's right here waiting for us. We don't have to go out and mine it. We don't have to go out and fight bees. We got it right in our pockets. We can go out and either be given to us, find it in every hotel drawer because of the Gideons, or we can go to Mardell's and find a great copy, put in a hundred bucks. I mean, this is right at our fingertips. We have the best stuff in all the world that will give us light for our eyes and joy for our hearts. The things that's really going to make us come alive. That's what we have right at our fingertips. And verse 11 says that it is a great reward, but it also warns us. It warns us. It shows us this is the way to go. This is the way that's going to cost you. But if you follow me, you're going to find everything you could have wanted. This is the word of God. I think what God is inviting us to, to, to be is to be a people of his word. One thing I'm praying is that for this next year, one thing we're going to do is spend time meditating in God's word. Hey, you want to make disciples? You don't know how to start? Get in the word with somebody. Just go get in the word with somebody. Just divide the scriptures together. The Holy Spirit will work. Think I'm kidding? I am not kidding. There's a missionary to Brazil who went to Brazil without knowing how to speak much Portuguese. His name is Jim Peterson. And when he got there, he started trying to gather people up and say, hey, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And he got some people to gather together in his living room. 
They spoke the language. They're Brazilian. He doesn't speak the language. Speaks like maybe like a few sentences in Portuguese. But he has a Bible in Portuguese. So he opens up the Bible to the first book of John, to, to, to the Gospel of John. Starts to read. Says, who wants to read the first paragraph? They read. They stop at the first paragraph. He says, uh, talk about it. He doesn't know what they're saying. They're talking about the word of God. A few weeks later, people have given their lives to Jesus. They've been converted. Why? Because the word of God is powerful and effective. And it revives the soul and it enlightens the eyes and it brings joy to our hearts. This is the power of God. It's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on me. That's what we're talking about. When the Bible says, make disciples, teach them everything I've commanded you. Where do we get that? From his word. Just read his word. It will transform your very life. If you've been transformed by God's word, give me an amen. 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 This is the reward of our life is to know God's word because in his word we get to know God himself. I want to move to application. What does this mean for us? I think the first thing it says is let's meditate on God's word, family. Let's do it individually, in the morning, at night, in the middle of the day. Let's meditate on God's word. Let's spend time soaking in the scriptures. Let's do that thing. Let's learn how to go to know God's love for us. Let's remind each other of God's love when we're in community. When we come together, let's remind each other what we've been hearing from the word. Let's meditate on the scriptures. Let the word abound among us. Let's do that. Let's go deeper in the word. Let's study, buy a commentary, buy a study Bible. Let's go deep in the word and learn the riches of who God is. Let's find out more about his character. Let's find out more about who he says he is so we can know God in truth. Not just what we've heard. Let's own the identity of God. That's how we can go up in God together. But I also would encourage us, let's get the word out to our neighbors. Now, I'm going to talk about some ways I think this happens. This needs to happen. Because I think we need to understand the current situation that, that our community is in when it comes to having access to the word of God. We have the word of God at our fingertips. But a lot of the world doesn't. But even a lot of our community doesn't. Why? Because to to get the word of God, you got to know how to read. And I want to talk to you about that for just a second. I think one thing that God may be calling us to do, and I say that because he's been doing it, is calling us to help our community know how to read. A few years ago, I was spending some time at Brock Creek, and I uh, had gotten past the front door, into the living room, past the living room, into the kitchen. You know the process, right? And I got all the way to the bathroom. It's like metaphorical, but I was actually in the bathroom. 
I went to the restroom in this family's house. This family speaks only Spanish. And uh, I was just astounded. Uh, I taught high school for 10 years. You guys know that. And a lot of my kids, the first book they read was in my class, ninth grade, right? First book, 15 years old. First book they read in their life was in ninth grade. On average, my kids came in three grade levels behind in reading. And I walk into this bathroom, and I see right across from the toilet, I see uh, taped to the wall some sight words for a second grader. The mom had asked me to come and tutor her daughter because she didn't know how to read. And mom only spoke Spanish. She couldn't help. But she was doing everything she possibly could, can, including taping the words that she doesn't even know to the bathroom wall so her daughter, while she's sitting on the toilet, can learn how to read sight words. Mom was doing the best she could, but she was still like, hey, Bible study teacher, come teach my daughter how to read. Now, anybody in here can do that. Isaiah, you can teach a second grader how to read, right? Right? Anybody in here can do that. But it is necessary for our community to do that. Our schools ministry team was looking at some data a few weeks ago about South Oklahoma City in particular, and Clarissa can testify to this, that out of 1,100 seniors that are graduating in South Oklahoma City, that 1,000 of 1,100 are graduating without being grade-level proficient in reading or in math. Which means that for every 10 seniors that graduate, less than one of them can read on grade level. Which means we've got an illiteracy problem in our community. We have access to the knowledge of the God of the universe. But you got to know how to read. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? A bunch of you decided, I'm going to go into education. I'm going to tutor kids. I'm going to help out with the after-school program, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out to a neighborhood Bible study and spend as long as God would allow for me to help kids learn how to read his scriptures and learn how to know his truth. If they don't know how to read it, I'm going to tell it to them. Help them download streetlights on their phone or dwell, dwell up on their phones. So they can at least hear it. But I want, to, I want to get them the knowledge of how to read. And I think we can move the needle on this. Roosevelt Middle School had a literacy, a, a literacy drive just a couple weeks ago, or last week. And uh, I went out there and had a bunch of books, some of them telling a bunch of mistruths and some of them telling some truth. But outside of their school, they've got this little box. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a birdhouse. It's on a stand. And the foundation for Oklahoma City Public Schools put it out there. It's called a little library. You might have gone to Citadel Park. You see these all over the place, right? And, uh, and basically what it is, it's like a, it's an honor system library where, where if you don't have a library card, you can still get a book because you, you, what you do is you go and you just open the little door, you put in a book, and then if you, when you finish reading it, you go put that book back and you get another one, right? Well, at Roosevelt, the little library is totally torn down. Like it's, I mean, it's there, but the, there's no books in it, and the door is like totally... It's, there is no door on the little library. And Mary Malone, the executive director for a foundation, asked me, she said, hey, would your church, like, adopt the little library at Roosevelt? It would cost 
$750 to put the little library back up. But then you need to stock it with some books. Now, what she's, doing, she's actually saying, would your church stock a library with books that you would want kids to read? Sound like a good idea? I think it's like a, it's like a great idea, doesn't it? Sounds like it's just a great idea. Yeah, let's just put a bunch of books that we would want kids to read in this little library, right? In just a few minutes, when we get to announcements, Jerry's going to come up and he's going to share a little bit about uh, Sparrow Project is doing an, a book drive for Afghan refugees. He's saying, hey, we're collecting books so that we can give these families some things to read. He's going to tell us more about what that, all, what that all looks like. I'm excited to hear about it. But they're collecting books from churches to give to Afghan refugees who have come to the United States because they lost everything. And you know what those families need? Something that's going to bring light to their eyes and it's going to rejoice their heart and give, help them know their, their purpose, who they are. All of us can get involved with this. If we're going to be a people of the word, I think what that means is we're going to meditate on God's scriptures. We're going to go to know who God is and what he's called us to do, who he's called us to be, and what his purpose is for this whole universe. And then as we soak in that truth, it's going to bring light to our eyes and give us joy in our hearts so we can go at whatever cost it takes to take that same word to everybody in our community to the ends of the earth. And as we do that, God's light is going to grow. Going to fill the world with his glory. Like snow falls on the ground. So what I want to ask you to do right now in processing this is ask God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do, both to know you and to know your word? What would you have me do to help get your word out into our community? What does that look like? And I would encourage you, whatever it takes, I'd say just like, do it. With all of your heart, with all your strength, with all your resources, do it. Because God's word endures forever, and it does not come back void. One thing I learned this past week is when it snows, you just let the snow do its thing. And so I want to just give a moment to pause before I give a closing prayer, just for silence. I want you to let the word fall wherever it needs to fall. You can hear the Lord speak, and I'll close this with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for the grace of your word. I know right now I am naive about a lot of things. And I need your wisdom. And you promise that your word makes wise the simple. 
So God, would you give me light? Would you give us light, God, as we're counseling each other all the time and giving people advice, would you help us to have your light in our hearts? So that when we speak, we're speaking the words of God. Lord, I pray for us that we would be a people that, the people of your word that holds tight to your gospel, that knows who you are and worships you in truth. Lord, we praise you for who you are. Lead us to be a people, to continue to be a people who takes your word into this community. And I pray that you would delight this community by your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.